One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Susanna Constantine, and this is my wardrobe malfunction, the podcast for people who wear clothes and have something interesting to say about them. So pretty much everybody, really. If you're new to the party, we've dozens more episodes for you to devour with wonderful figures like Nicola Benedetti, Michael Simpkins, Gail Porter, and Dr. Range, Dr. Range, Dr. Range. But now, let's get on to today's special guest, the best-selling and award-winning author and screenwriter William Boyd. He recently published his 16th novel, Trio, and I've been a huge admirer of his work for years, so I was thrilled and a little bit nervous to meet him. So let's grab the handles, open my wardrobe doors, and find out what's inside. So today, I am absolutely astonished that um, my guest has agreed to do this. He is a literary hero of mine and probably one of this country's best-selling and best authors. It's William Boyd. Will Boyd, how are you? I'm very well, thanks, Susanna. Very happy to be here on this wet morning. I mean, you are amazing. You're a bit like the kind of um, Meryl Streep of the literary world because you've, you've had more awards handed out to you probably than any other author, haven't you? Well, I don't know about that. I've certainly won a few prizes in my time, um, but it's, it's been quite a long time. Uh, my first novel was published in 1981, uh, Shock Horror, Good Man in Africa. That'll be 40 years next year. Oh, my goodness, is, is it really? I know, it's terrifying. Um, but uh, so, uh, yes, I've won a, won a few prizes along the way. And um, I'm, I, you know, I, I, it's nice to win a prize, but it's not why you write. You know, it's just no. part of the sideshow of, of the literary life uh, the main thing is the books. Is the books coming out? That's the key thing. And um, uh, you know, I, I, I'm producing one new novel every three or every two years. I'm speeding up as I get older. But um, you know, uh, keeping the books in print uh, uh -huh. all, all over the world. I, I, my books are all available in you know Germany, France, USA, Spain, Italy. That's that's the challenge now as I'm entering the late to middle phase of my career, as I like to call it. But do you feel, is it, is it for you, because it, it didn't start out as a vocation, I don't, the arts, you, you loved art, but, but is it something that you wouldn't be able to stop now? It's like you, you've, you've always got ideas coming to you. Are you on a road to continuing this for the rest of your life? To totally and utterly. Um, I'm, all, I'm super conscious of how lucky I am as well. Um, one of my great literary heroes, uh, Anton Chekhov, said, "All I mm -hmm. want to be, all I want to be, is a free artist." And to be a free artist, I think, is a, is a wonderful thing. You can pay the rent and uh, put food on the table uh, and carry on, you know, working yourself. Um, alone with your brain and your writing implements then it's a wonderful thing and um, I, I 
never knew if I was going to be able to do it, uh, but around about 1983, it became apparent that I could because I'd written a movie as well as two books. And so since since then, I've been a, a free artist. I, 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 um, I, I write films, I write TV, I write plays now, and I write, you know, 16 novels. My 16th has just appeared. So um, it's, uh, you know, I've never been busier, funnily enough, mm-hmm. uh, at the moment. And uh, um, long form television is is the new mother load. And um, absolutely. But I'm, uh, I'm you know, I, it's, as long as I can keep the show on the road, I'll be happy. But do you think you can ever be a free artist if you have to pay the rent with the money you're making from writing or painting or? Well, I think, uh, yes, you have to be able to, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a job, it's a career as well. So you have mm. to have a certain income in order to, you know, be able to indulge your artistry. And, you know, luckily for me, um, I've been able to do that. But one of the reasons I started writing films and started writing television precisely to give myself this kind of safety net so that if it took me five years to write a novel, you know, I wouldn't be begging in the street. Um, so I've always had this parallel career of writing for film and writing for television. And I do a lot of journalism as well, mm. um, which just sort of subsidizes my <laughs> writing. You know. oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Shut up! <laughs> Must be the postman. <laughs> Uh, because it takes me so long to write a novel, you know, I need to, uh, you know, I need to have some some money coming in. But luckily for me, my books have always been published around the world. So, so mm. you write a book and it gets published in, you know, seventeen or eighteen other countries. And um, I do very well in France. I do very well in Germany. So they're big territories for me, and that's mm. what keep that's what keeps the the old cash flow uh, flowing mm. and uh, allows me, you know, the freedom to to take as long as I like to write the next novel. Which country do you think are the biggest um, book readers? Is it Holland or? Uh, yes, I mean, Holland is very, very big. I mean, per capita, I mean, I don't, sorry, I mean, the Scandinavian countries are, are, are very big readers because they have such long winters, you yeah. know, so, um, <laughs> but it's interesting. Um, uh, it, it's you know, somewhere, somewhere like Spain, for example, where my books uh, do very well and um, are all in print, but the, the print runs and the sales are quite modest compared to the UK or um, France or Germany. Germany's a massive territory, mm. 80, 80 million Germans and a big book culture. Um, so it's, it's very hard to say. But I think, um, you know, if I've got UK, France and Germany you know, ticking over nicely, um, then I can sort of relax a bit. Yeah. You know, to be a writer and especially with you, you, you seem to be an acute observer of people. Um, but despite that, I was surprised to see that you have, to know that you have a genuine interest in clothes. Where's that come from? Um, well, I think it probably comes from my wife, Susan, who's a very stylish and, uh, fashionable person. And she did work for many years in the, uh, sort of glossy magazine world. She was, she was the editor at large of Marie Claire magazine, and then the okay. editor, then the editor at large of Harper's Bazaar in, in, in the USA. So she, she has sort of 20 years of, of that kind of high end fashion. And of course, mm-hmm. I'm uh, kind of magpie picking up all sorts of things. But I think, I think if, if you're a novelist, one of the things you must have, uh, one of the three essential things you must have is a love of observation. You mm. must like watching the cinema of everyday life, the, the passing parade and, and noting it um, in great detail. 
And so I think it's intrinsic to, to being a novelist that you notice what people are wearing, you notice um, how people speak, you notice how they you know, get in and out of a car, that sort of, mm. you're, you're almost a bit like a spy, I think. I've, I've made that comparison in the past that you're looking at the world for clues and you're, and of course clothes are amongst the biggest clues that anybody can uh, mm. give away um, about the person you are, about your ambitions for yourself or your pretensions or, or your inadequacies. You know, it's, it's mm. really, really fascinating. And when you're writing about the past, um, as I often do, the recent past, um, uh, the clothes people wear uh, are a fantastic uh, indication of the time and their income bracket and uh, their, you know, their sort of social mobility, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So yeah, as, as a writer, clothes are a fantastically good tool for you to depict character. Because that's uh, your your most recent novel, which has just come out, Trio. That's set in the sixties, in is it late sixties in Brighton. I mean, for that, did you draw on memory, or did you have to do quite a you know did you do quite a lot of research into what people were wearing? Well, I was um, I was sixteen in nineteen sixty eight, um, so I have old enough to to know what people were wearing. <laughs> I think I bought my first pair of bell bottoms in uh, in nineteen sixty eight. <laughs> Remember going to a, a discotheque, a discotheque in uh, Oh my in London, god, that's showing your Samantha's. age. Uh, yeah. I know exactly, but the, the the DJ sat in a white E-type Jaguar in the middle of the dance floor. So I have I have memories of the sixties, um, which are quite clear. But of course, I did masses mm. of research, and you know, what one of my characters is a young a young American actress, so she's super chic and she's super trendy. But the other another character is a a forty year old uh, woman novelist, and the and the other one is a sixty year old man. So. All, th- all three of them dress entirely differently, and in fact, mm. the way the way they dress tells you a lot about them. Mm. So, uh, so I did a lot of research, and I use phot- photographs a lot when I write novels. Anyway, I'm, I you know have a magnifying glass and a book of photographs. It's amazing what you can spot in the background. So, I would imagine the sixty-year-old in Trio is stuck in the fifties a little bit. Yes, he's he's a um, a war veteran. Of course, it's sixty eight. Not that long since the end of mm. World War Two, and so he's a very very immaculately dressed, something of a dandy. But it's uh, you know dark suit, white shirt, and regimental tie. You know, um, he's he takes care over his appearance. But he, if you saw him in the sixties, you'd immediately say throwback. Uh, you mm. might even say nineteen thirties, even because okay. he, he, he dresses exactly like a man would mm. dress in the nineteen thirties and the forties. And so the world that's changing around him, uh, the the world of the swinging sixties, the so-called swinging sixties, is, is something of a, a shock, you know. Um, mm. And he 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 teams up with a young sort of private. Uh, investigator called Ken Kincaid, who is super Great cool. Name. <laughs> yeah, mm. Super, super <laughs> cool. And in fact, yeah. the funny thing is, I'm not giving away too much. They're both gay, um, but um, but but um, Talbot, the producer, the 60 year old producer, is is hiding his gayness, whereas Ken, part of the 60s, is very relaxed about his gayness. Mm. So it's a very interesting double act for a certain part of the novel that the two of them have to go to Paris together to try and find somebody. So it's, uh, but again, their clothes um, really mark out their, their personalities. All three characters, uh, they're all kind of harboring secrets. And yes. um, so is there any indication of those secrets and how they, and how they dress? 
Is there anything, are there any clues as to their dark side? Probably only in Talbot, you know, because he's so proper. Mm-hmm. But his, but he, his secret life, and you're right, absolutely right, it's about, it's about secret lives, this novel, and it's about how, mm-hmm. how almost everybody has a secret life, but some people's secret lives are a bit more fraught and tense than mm-hmm. others. And in the, in the course of the novel, the secret lives of these three characters, this trio, come to overwhelm their public lives, the public face they present mm-hmm. to the world. So um, it's, it's quite interesting because Elfrida is one of these people who's trying to hide behind her kind of mask that she creates. She she combs her hair forward to her eyebrows. She has great. Uh, she, she her hair is almost like a um, a kind of helmet, and she wears um, very heavy specs. She has very heavy makeup, as if she's creating a kind of uh, mask. Armor. Well, mm. yes, and um, and and she is a raving alcoholic that's her that's her that's, that's her uh, secret life and um uh talbot as i said is, is is dressed like an immaculate 1930s gent and annie vicklund the young american star is very cool uh, but interestingly she's dyed her hair um okay. which i think is very interesting she's she's dyed her hair she's a blonde she's swedish uh, by origin but she's she's dyed her hair and she's, it's cut very short with a very short fringe. And she's sort mm-hmm. of based on the actress Jean Seberg. I don't know if you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. yes. <laughs> and Jean Seberg, in a way, popularized. But she was blonde. Yeah, but she, she popularized she the, sh- mm. the short fringe. So I, I made Annie dark just to distinguish her slightly. But again, that, that dyed black hair means that she's not recognized in England because her image, her public image, is of this blonde, you know, like Jean Sieber, but she's dyed her hair for the movie. So you're absolutely right. I mean, I hadn't thought about it, but in, in many ways, the, the, the physical appearance of the three at the center of the novel are very, very uh, indicative of the kind of lives they want to lead and in a way, a kind of barrier that they're setting up so that their secret lives can't be perceived. With, with you, what do your clothes say about you, Will? So you seem to like quite a lot of navy. I originally had this plan. I'm, quite, I'm interested in clothes, but I can't be bothered with the fuss of clothes. So mm. quite early on in my life, I thought I'm only going to wear shades of blue so I can stumble out of bed, grab a shirt, pair of trousers and a jacket, and they'll all match <laughs> because they're all shades <laughs> of blue. And that's, that's my selection process over for the day. Um, of course, it's slightly evolved since then. But I think that um, people used to laugh at me because I was always wearing pale blue shirts and navy blue jackets. And uh, But um, it was partly just so I, d- I didn't have to kind of fret about whether you know, this shirt matched that jumper or this um, pair of trousers went with these shoes because I, I had got one sort of layer of tones in my cupboards and shelves and um, everything everything matched effortlessly. I have moved into white and grey, you'll be glad to hear, but it's still pretty. It's still, <laughs> Do you want a medal? Wow, goodness it's me. It's still pretty, pretty, pretty monochrome. And that's, yeah, yeah. But I think, I think, um, so I don't think, I mean, this again, this is the slight, uh, slightly uh, vainglorious aspect. I don't think you could say I had a particular style, but in fact, if you look closely, everything has been uh, very well chosen. And the only mm. area of my wardrobe where I allow myself a bit of leeway is my shoes. So I, I will wear red shoes or white shoes or 
Oh, God forbid. What, serious, what, red leather shoes or trainers? Red leather shoes. I don't wear, I don't wear trainers. Um, but Where do you find a pair of red leather shoes for a man? Just bought a pair, actually. Um, I, I think I bought them online. But there's a shop on the King's Road, um, uh, which is a kind of bespoke cobblers and they have okay. the most amazing shoes in the window I mean some of them I couldn't wouldn't dare wear because they're far too over the top um, but I did find a fantastic pair of red Chelsea boots uh, in there which which I which when I go on stage to do talks I, I wear and I do I do get the odd comment but it's that's the only area where I where I abandon my you know white navy grey pale blue um, look but I would say I mean that is such a sort of contradiction I'm wearing red ship red Chelsea boots yes. is a very bold move yes. I, mean, I can't so I I, I I wish I could see them. I mean to be honest will they sound absolutely hideous well, they're quite, they're quite, um, they're slightly extreme, but because the rest of, of my outfit is so kind of monochrome, it's mm -hmm. the one, one bit that um, sort of leaps out and says, oh, maybe he's more interesting than he looks, you know, yeah. um, that's, that's, that's the theory. Uh, but uh, uh, often it just attracts hilarity, you know, and, mm. uh, <laughs> but, um, but it's the one area of my, this kind of sort of thought through wardrobe uh, that I allow myself a little bit of uh, 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 devil may care aspect, okay. you know. And you have very strong opinions about button-down shirts. What, are, what they? are they? Yes. Well, I love button-down shirts. In fact, one of the very first things that I bought, I remember there was a shop in London when I came to London for the first time in the 1970s called Flip, P-H-L-I-P. And it was importing secondhand American clothes. So you could get college jackets and chinos and things like that, which you couldn't get mm -hmm. in those days. And I remember buying these button-down shirts, which were old Brooks Brothers shirts, which they had mm -hmm. you know, re-laundered. And I really liked them. And actually, again, this shows how thought through my wardrobe is. The, the cut of a Brooks Brothers shirt, which has been established for you know 150 years or something like that, is an American classic, and I found mm -hmm. them incred incredibly comfortable to wear. And um, they're very, very good cotton. And so I went to New York uh, in, for the first time in, in 1980, 1980, in fact, and I bought 10 Brooks Brothers shirts, all pale blue, <laughs> with, 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 with button downs. And I'm, and I'm still wearing, I'm still wearing this 40 years later. Uh, you know, they're, 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 they're very soft, but they're <laughs> incredibly long lasting. And actually, over the years, when I went back to New York, I went there a lot because Susan, my wife, was working there. I think I must have about 60 Brooks Brothers shows. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've, I've actually written articles about them. Um, mm. But I, so, you know, I have some white ones. I have some striped ones. Mm. <laughs> I, have, I have a pink. I have a pink one. I think, Ooh. but uh, <laughs> shock horror. Um, and uh, but I think that I, so I've always worn button-down shirts. I'm not mm. wearing one at the moment, actually. Funny enough, but I 95% of my shirts are button-down because I don't mm. wear a tie either. Mm. Okay, what's your view on ties? Well, I mean, I'm so glad that my job doesn't allow me to wear ties because I I don't know about other men, but when I put on a tie. I seem to cook up. I seem to get incredibly hot. It's the same with cufflinks. If my mm -hmm. wrists and my neck are somehow, you know, uh, shut down or shut it closed in by material, 
I just start to perspire and uh, mm-hmm. I feel incredibly hot. So I'm, I, 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 I maybe wear a tie five times a year, you know, if I have to go somewhere where I need to put one on. Um, mm-hmm. But other, I have quite a few ties, um, but um, I, I'm so pleased I don't have to wear them, you know, to go to, to work or go to the office or something like that. So, uh, mm. so um, you know, it's, uh, again, a tie is where I allow myself a little bit of uh, freedom of expression. I have some quite lurid ties. Um, <laughs> so, so when I do have to put them on, um, it's like saying, oh, look, I'm not an, a habitual tie wearer. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So in your, who would you say in your novels, or actually in, in fiction, um, is sort of one of the most stylish characters, female characters? Uh, female characters, interesting. I'm trying to think. Of- I mean, it's a very broad, big question for a big subject. But yeah, the- well, I, I, wrote, I wrote a novel um, called Sweet Caress, which is um, all told... About the photographer. Yeah, all told from the point of view of this this one photographer Mm. called Amory Clay. And because she's a photographer, she's, again, a bit like a novelist. She's very sharp-eyed. And so I think Amory is actually very stylish in the way she dresses and the choices she makes. And she's also a war photographer. So she's Mm. often, she's got, in the course of her life, she goes to war zones, you know, World War II or Vietnam War. She is probably the most fashion conscious of uh, the women characters that I've, um, I've created. Um, There was another, uh, I wrote a book called uh, Brazzaville Beach, which Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. is again told from the point of view of a woman called Hope Clearwater. But she's a scientist. She's a primatologist. And so she's in the jungles of Africa studying chimpanzees. And so she's basically wearing you know, bush wear, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's not that bothered about clothes, you know, uh, even though she's an attractive person. But I do think, yes, I think Amory Clay is probably the most uh, self-conscious about the clothes she wears. And she also notices what other people wear. Being a photographer. Yeah, being mm-hmm. a photographer, you know. It's so interesting, this whole side of of writing and appearance of your characters. It's it's really illustrating how important it is, you know, talking to you with this and how identity plays a huge part. I think it's very true of, of you know, all sort of you know, Western uh, d- developed nations, but it's particularly true of British life, I think, um, mm. in the sense that... Um, it's very you can read people quite easily in this country maybe not so much 
today, but in the past, you could read to somebody about their background, their upbringing, totally. their, their value system by what they wore. Their shoes. Their shoes. Their shoes. Yes. I mean, your red shoes are a very diverting indication of who you are. I mm. tried to throw people off the scent, you know, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, but it's true. I mean, there's certain, you know, it is, comes down to things like, you know, do you wear a signet ring? Um, uh, do you have monogrammed shirts? Um, what kind of tie do you choose? What's your what's your hair like? You know, um, we the British are sending out signals because we're such a class-dominated country uh, about the class we belong to, or, mm. or what we think about class. You know, and um, and so I think so. I think clothes are a, a very very interesting route into you know, not getting to the bottom of somebody, but certainly opening a door on that person. Yeah, and first first impressions, exactly, obviously. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So when you were writing um, your James Bond novel, Solo, did you have uh, restrictions as to, uh, as to how he would appear? He was 45 at the time, wasn't he? Or were you given, could he have turned up in a caftan? Well, it's interesting. You would somebody like me uh, wouldn't take on the job if you had all these restrictions. So that's mm. the, the, the Fleming family give the the writers of these continuation novels, as they're called, uh, absolute freedom as, as long as they respect the tradition of the Bond uh, genre, if you like. Um, you couldn't kill him off or something like that. But mm. it's very interesting because because Fleming, Ian Fleming, who uh, in creating James Bond gave he, he isn't James Bond but he gave James Bond all of his foibles and obsessions and, and mm. Fleming is a very interesting man he was very interested in women's clothes for example and it's extraordinary to read the James Bond novels because you suddenly said Bond noticed that the silk was cut on the bias you sort of think mm. hang on you're a spy mate what are you what yeah. are you doing <laughs> and uh, and uh, things that Fleming disliked for example Fleming uh, disliked women with nail varnish and okay. so he didn't like women to paint their nails for some reason, for some odd reason. Mm. And so Bond doesn't like uh, a woman to paint her, her nails. Uh, and Bond is, uh, like Fleming, is very particular about what he wears. Um, a knitted tie, not a, a sort of silk tie. Um, types of cotton. He's obsessed with types of Sea Island cotton. Um, so Bond is a natty dresser, in fact, because, mm. Fle because Fleming was. And, um, you know, the extraordinary thing, these, this, these books were largely written in the 1950s. But because Fleming was so fastidious, Bond is so fastidious. You know, he, he cares about the type of marmalade he has at breakfast or the type of coffee he grinds, grinds mm. to, to make his morning coffee. Um, he can recognize perfumes, you know, famous mm. perfumes of the era. Um, all stuff that is kind of unlikely for an agent in the field, but because but, they were Fleming's but, gifts to him, you know. Yeah. But yes and no. I mean, what, what a great asset to have as a spy. Yeah, you know, it's, exactly. a, it's to be able to notice these things. And so when I wrote when I wrote solo, uh, I you know I, I being very aware of of Fleming's Bond because I reread all the novels again with a pen in hand taking notes. Uh, everything that might seem a bit odd in my novel um, is actually sourced in Fleming. And so really, when when Bond meets a he has an affair with a uh, an actress, in fact, who, who who's a sort of star of your know, Hammer horror films. But he mm. notices everything about her, the way she cuts her hair, the perfume she's wearing. Um, she's wearing a cat suit because it's 1969. Mm. <laughs> so he, he um, 
he's very he for for a kind of in a way rather um you know th throwback male which is, he has a lot of fleming's values there is something uh, almost designery about his eye mm. you know he he's very 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 acute about what an aesthetic mm. yeah exactly so how much do you notice about for and and women's clothes for, so for example my husband god bless him um i will come into the room wearing a dress and he'll go that's a that's a nice skirt got no fucking idea <laughs> okay. okay so how much do you i mean maybe you've kind of through the research you know more than than most men do but do you notice and, and understand what a woman might be wearing like, whether it's a box pleat or a sunray pleat or a hidden zip? Do you, if you, do you have that eye for detail as well? Um, to a degree. I mean, I think I do, I do notice what people are wearing and um, in the way that unreflectingly, you know, just because, because of my sort of novelist's observational eye. Mm. Um, and I, um, I, I take it in and I, and I can describe it, maybe not as minutely as, as, as you've just done, but I could certainly say um, that, you know, that, that, that Gypsy Rose Lee top doesn't go very well with the... What is a Gypsy Rose Lee top? <laughs> well, you know, that, that sort of well, frilly... frilly yeah, oh, you know, yeah. Scoop neck, you know, frilly, okay. you know, big balloony sleeves, you know, that sort of thing. She wouldn't be wearing anything, Gypsy Rose, because she was a bloody stripper. Yes, I probably should say... <laughs> she'd probably say a, a different type of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, but, but, you know, but I, so I, can no, I yeah. notice them. I can't perhaps give the precise name, Mm. Unlike unlike James Bond, you know, but um, I'm very aware of of clothes, you know, even what kids are wearing, and um, mm. you know what football players are wearing, and uh, and and the people you, I see in the street, you know, as I walk down the King's Road, you you're you're unconsciously your eye is just roving about looking at things and and filing them away, you know. Have you ever had awkward, you know, been given sort of as anyone because <laughs> if you're kind of like peering at everybody walking past. Has anybody got a bit alarmed by that? Uh, not really. I'm very careful. Not to, I'm very careful not to stare. You know, um, but, um, I, but I'm also listening. You know, I, I also yeah. listen to what people say if I'm on the tube or, or I over at a bus stop or something. Like that. And I, I always carry a notebook with me, and mm. I, I jot down conversations or I jot down observations, and they often find their way into a novel. And um, so I think it's part of that relentless mm. observational you know ears and eyes and nose are open as it were and mm. you so the smells of London are as, as uh, apparent to you as, as the sights of London and it's just part of that I once had this um I, I said that a novelist is like a, um, a blue whale, you know, just your mouth's agape and you're sucking up, <laughs> sucking up the plankton of everyday life to, to nourish you, you know. And so um, yes. that's what I, as I want, as I wander up to take my jacket into the dry cleaners, there's a whole parade going on that I'm noticing, you know. And, uh, and it's, I think you, it's a fundamental part of being a novelist. I think that you're constantly mm. looking and listening and 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 paying attention you know it's just part of the comes of the territory talking about the dry cleaners this is amazing well now you're on instagram will you've, yes. you've lost your in your gramming virginity yes but um there's an amazing couple and they own a dry cleaning service and a laundry service 
And so many of the clothes get left behind and they wear them and they put them together in these most extraordinary <laughs> items. And they become like this sort of style, style iconic influencers. And they're both about in their 80s. But that is such a good premise for something. I don't know what, a novel or something. Yeah, but these, they're fantastic. They're fantastic. But so when you write, Will, um, do you get dressed or are you a bit of a lazy... Are you a bit lazy sartorially when you sit down to write? Pretty, I am quite lazy, but because I wear essentially the same things all the time, um, it's not a, again, it's, I don't have this problem of thinking, what will I, what will I look like if I have to open the door to the postman? You know, mm. um, I'm um, usually in, in shirt sleeves and, and chinos, and I've got these uh, red moccasins I'm wearing today, actually. Mm. Um, so, um, and, um, you know, I, I'm, I don't I, I don't shave every day um so I sometimes mm. look a bit scruffy but um I'm presentable you know I'm I'm not sitting mm. there in my in my dressing gown and my pajamas you know it's uh, I'm, I'm I'm fully dressed and uh, um I can I can answer the door without mm. blushing you know so yeah and I imagine like you know your desk is your office so you've got dressed for work Yes, exactly. And um, I, uh, it's just part of the start of the day. You know, I've never been one for lounging around in a dressing gown half the day. I've always, you know, got woken up, got dressed and, you know, had breakfast kind of thing. So mm. um, it's, uh, you know, and I can pop out without thinking I better change my trousers or something. Like that. Mm. So, uh, mm. so uh, no, I'm, I'm fully functioning. Okay, that's, I'm glad to hear that. Yes, and yes. So, whew, pre and post COVID, um, you know, you you travel the world to pr uh, promote your books. And do you have anything that you always take with you, like a, some form of comfort blanket? Um, not really. I mean, I I, um, I I have I always have my notebook uh, with with me. I, in fact, I have two notebooks on the go at any time, and um, I uh, you know always have something to read. Um, mm. that's my, that's my, my key thing. Um, but I, I, you know, if I have a five hour delay at an airport, it's not a problem for me because I'll probably get the idea for two short stories, just wandering around mm. looking at people. <laughs> um, but I do, I am always jotting things down. And I think that, you know, you're stuck in a hotel room or you're <laughs> waiting for, um, you know, a, a program to start and you can, you can flick through your notebook and see what you were thinking has been over the last mm. few weeks. So that's the thing I carry with me most, I think. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I don't have any, you know, I, I never, when I do long haul, I never change into these pajamas that they offer you or, yeah. or, or use the, use the duvets. I, I lie mm. there in my clothes. So well, you clearly travel first class or business class because you don't get that in a common economy. Well, exactly. No, well, <laughs> no, that's one of the perks, one of the perks of having other people uh, pay, yeah. for your, pay for your airfares, you know, um, yeah. but um, it's uh, no, I think it's, I mean, I, I've, I've been traveling all my life because I was born in Africa and mm. uh, I, I grew up there. And so from the, my very earliest memories are of getting on a plane, you know, mm. rack, rackety old propeller planes and flying back to, to Britain. Um, so I've always traveled. I like flying. Um, I, I'm actually quite glad not to be flying this year because last year, Susan and I went on 42 flights. Um, actually, too much you know um wow. you know, hardly yeah. you're, you're, you get back home and you're packing to leave again so mm. so actually in a funny sort of way this covid slowdown 
that's been not you know has been that that's been a, a benefit in a way that we've actually stayed put or had mm. to stay put and uh, so I and of course the wonders of zoom mm-hmm. uh, you know, just this last week I was at a literary festival in Milan one in Hong Kong and one in Melbourne Australia I mean how how bizarre is that you know, exactly. so uh, yeah. so will we ever leave our homes again this is the question yeah, yeah exactly will you will you ha- have an opportunity for a wardrobe malfunction then and have you had a wardrobe malfunction where an item of clothing has let you down um let me, I, i'm trying to think about that yes yeah, so i think on occasions i have been dressed by other people for for shoots you know particularly in france because I, I turn up to have my photograph taken to pre- you know, present my book and they look at me in sort of appalled silence and they've got a, ra- <laughs> they've got a rack of clothes and, uh, and I have been dressed for, you know, I suppose, fashion shoots and um, they've been wardrobe malfunctions in my opinion. You know, like I once had to wear a, a white suit um, and, uh, and, um, I, uh, and there's another, another time I had to... I had to pose for a very big French magazine called Gala, where they they created Huge a kind of, magazine. Yeah, yes, where they created a kind of fake picnic for me with a, <laughs> um, I think a Burberry rug on the on the on the lawn and me dressed in a in a, a trench coat and uh, you know shirt and tie or something like that. It just looked was so not me. It was a joke. And uh, and um, oh. but I sort of I wouldn't do it now. But I was too young and and embarrassed to say you know forget it i'm not doing this but um those are the times when i've have had in my opinion serious wardrobe malfunctions but maybe other people have thought i've never looked better you know so uh, <laughs> but uh, I, in a way my 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 clothes strategy is there precisely to prevent a, a wardrobe malfunction mm. um and, mm. and it's pretty pretty efficient in that regard but, uh, but when other people yeah. when other people take over it can go disastrously wrong it goes horribly wrong and then what about your birthday suit something that you your go-to outfit you probably don't have one that you would wear on high days and holidays that makes you feel joyous apart from your navy shirts yeah. and your red shoes well it's quite funny this is another little sign of me um, breaking out of my navy blue pale blue world but um my books have started to do very well in Germany and I've mm. been, to, been to Germany a lot promoting the books and I've, I've come to like very much this German style called, <laughs> nervous. called, yeah. tra- called Tracht uh, and Tracht is sort of traditional clothing so I have actually <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, not lederhosen no not lederhosen <laughs> but, but you know these little jackets with <laughs> buttons and uh, like a sort of little belt at the back, like a Norfolk I... jacket. And um, I've got with the accordion. Then they wear them when they're playing in their little tricorn hat. I don't mm. have a hat, but I do have these two jackets, uh, tracks jackets, which Ooh. I re- really love. <laughs> one is black. <laughs> one is black with silver buttons that I wear at night, <laughs> and the other one is, is cotton, and uh, it's it's. Uh, and I actually have been complimented on them. I was crossing Albert Bridge, and and this woman said to me as she passed, "I do like to see a bit of crack." So, so, um, so that's my kind of. Um, I, I, I've been wearing it a lot recently, actually. So probably it's my favourite jacket. So uh, I do know exactly the Bavarian Bavarian Austrian Bavarian. men's jackets. Mm. You know, that's my Bavarian, Achilles yeah. heel.
Okay, I'm so happy for you. Thank you, sir. I can tell. I can hear the sympathy in your voice. (laughs) Oh my goodness, you are amazing. Well, listen, um, I'm going to love you and leave you and let you get on with your um, your day. But what joy to talk to the great Will Boyd about everything other than books and writing. And I'm so grateful that you agreed to be be a guest on my wardrobe malfunction it's been a real pleasure Susanna thank you so much Mm. Uh, thank you thanks so much to Will I loved meeting him over zoom of course remember his new novel trio is out now and would make a perfect Christmas gift in my humble opinion right I'm nearly off but I can't disappear without mentioning our pajama party the place where you tell me all about your own clothing calamities. It's on our website at mywardmail.com and you can email any stories to help at mywardmail.com. You can also find and follow us on the usual socials at mywardmail and make our Christmas come early by giving us a five-star rating and review. Finally, thanks to our heavyweight house band, Duo. Find and buy their new album at duoguitarmusic.com or at Duo Guitar Music on their socials. Thanks again to Will, and of course, thanks to you for listening. And also thanks to Mr. Chow, our budgie, who's twittering in the background. Anyway, let's catch up soon, and until then, my wardrobe is officially closed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.